from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by CoachesEdge.coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Man, this is a great time of year. This is a great time of year. It's my birthday. Great birthday yesterday. It's time for the coach's edge. It's time for basketball season. All these great things are going on. And tonight, I'm doing a presentation on in-season player development, one of my favorite topics. And so I wanted to share with you some of the things I'm going to be talking about in that meeting. And if you listen to this podcast in October... 26th before 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can actually sign up for that meeting and you'll get the whole thing, the videos, the presentation piece, the Q&A, but I'm going to brush over some of the things I'm going to talk about regarding in-season player development because our players need to continue to better themselves throughout the course of the season. We can't be stagnant. We can't be stale. We can't stay the same. The competition is getting better. We need to continue to improve, to thrive to develop. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about because it touches on two things that I'm super, super passionate about. Player development, working with with young people, and the coaching side of things. Looking at the big picture, where's the direction that we're going? What's the vision that we have for our program? Style of play. You piece these two things together from a skill and player development standpoint to the big picture of in-game performance that leads to wins. And that's what we have in this presentation that we are giving tonight. With all that said, another one of the reasons why I'm so excited is because coachesedge.coach, we're getting new members as we prepare for the season. We have a bunch of new members from different states. And I got to name drop one person. I, I, it's a shameless plug. Doreen Ingles, say Ignis, girls basketball, one of the OGs, the all-time greats. She's coached, I think, for 23 years. They've won five state championships another four state runner up appearance. Almost half the time she's in the state finals and they're joining the coach's edge. We're going to go end up working with their program. And that's where I get a little bit of like an imposter syndrome or something, because I'm like, wait, you want what I have to offer? Like you're, you're so great at what you do. You want some of our coaches edge dot coach, but she, she likes our resources, our drills, right? I was looking for new things, you know, likes what we stand for what we're about. Um, and I, I, I'm just, it's crazy that, um, you know, people of that caliber are joining coaches edge, like really, really good basketball teams, really good basketball coaches. And I'm excited to serve those high level coaches because I know if I can serve the high level coaches, the coaches that are fighting for a state championship, the coaches that have won a state championship, of course, I'm going to be able to serve the other coaches that are trying to rebuild their program. Right. Like I've said in the past, podcast i know i don't have to be the best coach out there but if i'm committed if i'm consistent and if my mindset is on serving the people inside our membership i know we're going to do good things we're going to continue to grow so certainly appreciate coach joining in so if you want to join coaches edge coach link in the bio check it out if you have questions contact at cranberrybasketball.com now back to the subject today in season player development What are some things that I think about when it comes to in-season player development? First and foremost, what are our pillars of play? 
What's the system that we're playing in offensively and defensively? We need that down. And then we need to ask ourselves, what are the two to three most important skills that fit into this system? Write those down. And then ask yourself, are you practicing those daily? Are you practicing those skills daily? Now, as you get into practice, now we open this whole smorgasbord of drill types, of instruction types. This is where you know people can get super niche, they can get super extreme. You can talk about block practice, randomized practice. Um, you can talk about using you know, other things compared to just bones over cone style. And I get asked this. I think it just depends. It depends on what the needs are of your players. I think different players and teams have different needs. And so you can structure the percentage and the quantity for instruction type based on that. If you have a, a group of players that can't shoot a lick, I was talking about this with Coach Donovan not that long ago. If you have a players that can't shoot a lick, it may not help you to do a bunch of randomized game-based drills where they're not getting a lot of shots up, but they're learning like when to shoot it, how quick they need to get the shot off. But because their mechanics stink, right, they haven't been taught proper form and shooting mechanics, they're just getting good at missing a lot of shots. So from that standpoint, probably going to do a little more block reps, work on the technique, get more repetitions in, and sprinkle in the randomized. So you have another player who plays a lot of basketball throughout the course of the year, and they have pretty good technique already. Now we're going to do more randomized drills, right? More, more closeout, more decision-making, right? So it, it just depends. Players are like this, and also teams are like this. When I was in Perrysburg, we had very few fall athletes, very few fall athletes. So you know, we also had quite a few kids that played AAU, not high-level AAU, but they, they played local spring, summer basketball. So these kids played quite a bit of basketball, right? And so by the time they rolled into basketball season, we didn't have to turn them into basketball players. They were coming in as basketball players. Their needs were different than if we got a team and all but two kids are playing football or volleyball, and we have to turn them into basketball players as we're trying to get up and running. And so that's what I'm talking about. Every team has different needs. And so based on that, you need to design and structure things uh, a little bit differently, right? Our kids in Perrysburg were already in basketball shape because of the open gyms that they were attending, because of the strength and conditioning program that they were participating in. So by the time fall rolled around and basketball season officially kicked off, we had basketball players that we were starting practice with. That's not true for everybody else. Know your personnel, K, Y, P. So some drill options for your players. You could do block or variable practice, you know, the one-on-o stuff where it's, um, you know, working on your technique, bunch of reps in. You could do variable, which is something I'm very, uh, I really love, you know, and that could be um, spot up in the corner, catch and shoot, lift, to the wing, catch and shoot. Iverson cut across the foul line, catch, rip, drive, back pedal to the opposite wing, catch and shoot corner three, lift up to the wing, 
catch and shoot. Iverson cut across. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? There's not a decision being made, but it's variable practice. You're not doing the same thing over and over again. I think those are great for uh, getting players used to game type movements. You got guided reps. This is your bones over cones. This could be a block or variable. Again, you're allowing the player to have some body position with a defender, or it could be an offensive player. They're getting a feel for what the situation is going to look like in a game because of the surroundings that you're putting them in. This could be as simple as run a dribble handoff. After the person hands the basketball off, they're trailing and they're pretending like they're the trail defender. Kid has to work on finishing or veering in front into that finish, whatever that might look like. Could be variable. You change up the location, you change up the distance. Uh, you change up when the player can hand off and then try to recover on defense. So those are good guided reps as well, guiding them into a read that they would make in the game. Then we get into some reps and reads type drills. These are where we start to incorporate decision-making, right? It's where you talk about random practice being beneficial. Let me back up one second. If I had to define it, block practice is great for mastering a skill. Random practice is great for getting the skill to translate into the game. That's why I had to define it in basically one, one sentence. So in my mind, we 100% need both, right? We don't want to get really good at pulling off something that we can't actually execute. And we don't want to be really good at the skill, but have no idea how to translate it into in-game execution. So reps and reads, decision-making, very, very important tons of small sided games that we have in our uh, coaches edge membership. And I like to break a lot of those small sided games up into categories. So we have one video series and PDF series on closeouts, small sided game for closeouts. And we have another PDF series on small sided games for help side defense. And we have another series of small sided games for transition. And then we just uploaded a new PDF, small sided games for post and finishes. Right. And so being able to say, okay, these are reps and reads, some small-sided games. What are the situations that we need to get better in? Maybe it's transition. Maybe it's read and help side. Maybe it's attack and closeouts. Maybe it's finishing and post-play. Okay, then here's the package of, of drills that we can prescribe to you and then use these in your practices with your players. So that's one of the ways Coach Sedge helps you out, but that goes into some of these drill options, right? And then you got live play. This could be five-on-five. This could be three on three. It could be one on one, but you've worked on skills. You've talked about some of the decisions. You've gone the reps and reads route as far as putting them in an advantageous decision to use these repetitions while it's still uh, random. And then we go all out. And when we go all out and we're playing, I simply encourage the players to say, hey, remember some of the things that we've worked on? Maybe it's veering in front of the defender, playing strong, using our body, defender body ball position, and then getting to our finish. Remember, we worked on that. And if that opportunity is there to utilize it, make sure we're we're utilizing that. Okay. But you don't have to, right? We're playing the game as much as we would in a actual five-on-five -five game on a Friday night with a packed crowd. Okay. Another thing regarding drills, you can't shortcut cut reps. You can't shortcut reps. And visualization is key. Reps build a rep. Right? Reps build confidence. 
We simply want to make sure that we're getting reps in these different areas, right? One-on-O, guided reps, reps and reads, live play, you're mixing in block, variable, random, so that we can really get those skills to translate into in-game performance. How do we improve? Remember, we need a rep what happens most. This gets back into what I spoke about earlier, our style of play, our system. It's one thing to have a certain drill that you like to use, but does it actually apply into your game performance? That's really, really important. So in my opinion, we can overcomplicate our player development in practice. Are we getting reps in at a high intensity with game application? And if we're doing those three things, we're going to improve. We are going to improve. Now, there might be a better way than another to do it based on personnel, experience, style of play. But just think about that. Are you practicing at a high intensity what happens in a game? That's what I just said. Reps plus intensity plus game application. But we need those three things. For example, you could get a lot of reps in dribbling the ball, let's say, at a high intensity. You're working very hard. But does it apply to the game? You know, you're using a double between legs behind the back move. You'd never use it in the game. So, no, not game applicable, right? Um, another example would be, yes, this is something that you're doing in a game, right? You're coming off, you're running a little shooting series. You're running some wide pin down screens. You're getting a bunch of shots up, but you're not going game speed, right? You're not going at the intensity level of a, a Friday night with a league championship on the line against the best opponent in the league. You're not going at that intensity level, right? Make practice hard so the game is easy, right? You have to get after it, which means we have to compete. During our skill development, I've noticed that many coaches take out the competition piece of it. At times, that's beneficial because the biggest benefit is the learning, the teaching. We're implementing a new skill or trying to rebuild a certain area. It could be shooting. Uh, as an example, we really had to break a player sh shot down and we got to build it back up. But when we compete, things get more fun, right? If we put time and score to it, it's easy for us to gauge improvement as well. And so make sure that we're sprinkling in competing. I know some coaches who are competing 100% of the time, right? Now I've never been to a practice where every single thing uh, was competition. I, I think that um, there may be some things those players are getting in that the coaches may not say is part of practice and it's not competition. They're getting their reps in, but when the coach kind of takes over, they're competing. So I can see that uh, happening a little bit. Competition key, regardless. Couple other things that I wanted to touch on as far as how we can improve players during the season. And I think giving them a routine to follow as they come into the gym can save us a lot of time. And it is great for developing our players. Now, if you've been a part of our membership site, if you've been part of our Zoom presentations, I talk about how I was pretty intense, maniacal a little bit about my pre-practice routine. The older I got, the more specific I got with my pre-practice routine, figuring out what was working for me as an athlete. And this is something I would do pre-game or pre-practice playing overseas. But I had a routine of jump rope, ball handling, and form shooting 
that I would do before every game at every practice. And that's something that I recommend. It doesn't have to be exactly what I recommend here, but what I recommend is when your kids come to practice, you have this little pre-practice routine outlined for them. So how do they warm up? Are they getting a feel for the ball? Maybe they don't handle the ball. So maybe it's a little finishing routine that they have. Are they working on their form shooting? I think every player can work on their form shooting. And in our coach's edge site, we go over our four phases of form shooting, break it down, follow through ball motion, body motion, and game speed shots. With our uh, little stationary ball handling series, we have a handful of different variations. They're not truly stationary, most of them. Right? There's footwork involved. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, the jump rope is big. I'm also a big lunge guy. So, like, we have one girl um, who's coming off a sprained ankle. And even though she's better, I didn't want to push her with the jump rope. So, I had one of our girls jumping rope as the warm-up. I had another girl who uh, was coming off the ankle sprain. I had her doing some some lunges, a lunge variation instead. So those are great to get in the body warmed up. You don't want to do the static stretching. That doesn't really get the body warmed up and loosened up. And then Coach Nichols implemented this, and I, and I love it because um, when I was coaching, uh, let's see, it was at USA, we had our players come in before practice. They do their form shooting series, and then we'd have them do partner shooting after. Uh, but I like what Coach Nichols implemented in Ohio with his guys and that's after the players finish their form shooting series, they play one-on-one. -on -one. They can pick one of the one-on-one -on -one variations that we've already shown them throughout the course of our practice and our workouts. And so you finish your form shooting, I finish my form shooting, we play some one-on-one. -on -one, and at some point, coach is going to blow the whistle and officially start practice. Now, depending on time restraints, this may look a little bit different, right? But for a lot of coaches and practices that I've been to, there's this wasted time of shoot around. Players come in, they shoot around, they're chatting. It's like, we can get more reps in in that. And this is until we get into the one-on-one. -on -one, these are block reps. These are individual things. Those are the things that I want players to get in before the coach is actually coaching. Because the point of being a coach is to break down uh, reps, reads, situations, teaching. And if we can get our players pre-practice to take care of certain things that are really, really important. However, the coach is not needed to instruct you on how to jump rope every single day, how to go through a, a ball handling series, maybe give them a couple different variations of ball handling series. So it's not the exact same thing every single time. And because of that, when you do start practice, now you're truly able to coach them up, right? Instead of, okay, we've started practice and now they're doing these drills that re really require no thinking. They've already gotten a bunch of their reps in. They're feeling good. They're warmed up. We start practice and you're coaching them up. So I think that's a piece that some coaches could definitely add. Now, efficiency is huge when it comes to in-season practices, time becomes a factor. And so sometimes we need to cut things out. Sometimes we need to add new things into our practices to make sure we're getting the most benefit and the most growth. So we got to remind ourselves, if it doesn't apply to the style of play, don't do it. Don't do it. You really have a drill that the kids like, but it doesn't apply to the way you play. Don't do it. 
find a new drill that they like that does apply, right? So I don't want to hear that, wow, the kids really like it. So that's why we do it. Find one that they like. And it also applies to your style of play. You can do that, right? That's part of our job as, as coaches. Another one. Do you need to lengthen your practice to improve the skill? Do you need to lengthen the practice to improve player skills throughout the course of the season? I, I, sh I share all these as humbly yet confidently as I can. And so it, it's not so much to say the way that I think is the right way. I say this in the hopes of challenging your thinking about how you run your basketball practice. That's the goal of the podcast. That's the goal of our membership site, the presentations we do, the coaches meetings that we have. But we ran a poll with our coaches edge members and we talked about how long they run practice. And I was surprised. I thought uh, the majority of our practices, you know, the average time was a little shorter than I would have guessed, right? Closer to an hour and a half than two hours came back. And I just thought about that. And I wondered, are their practices, are your practices that efficient that they're that long? Are they that long? Because that's the only amount of time that you have in the gym. Um, or is that really in your mind, all that you need? Because I, and the reason I say this is because I'm also weighing the fact, like I've had conversations with coaches that have talked about, man, I just wish we had more time for shooting. I wish we had more time for skill development. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, which one is it? Which one is it? Do, do we do we not have time for it or are, are we not making enough time for it? And if our practice is already extremely efficient in an hour and a half, can we go an hour and 45? Can we go two hours at times and make sure that we're getting those extra shots up, those extra small sided games in, those extra finishing and ball handling and passing reps in so that we're becoming better players throughout the course of the year so think about that a little bit also talked with coaches about how they may shorten the practices as they go throughout the course of the year and i don't know if you necessarily knew that either. now if you had a uh, overtime game and your players are you know long road trip and you feel like hey let's, let's go a little shorter the next day in practice i get it hundred percent. I get it. But consistently shortening your practices, listen, you're not a college basketball team, right? You're a high school basketball team that probably has a bunch of players that play multiple sports. They're not basketball players for very long as it is. So you're going to make them even less of a basketball player by practicing less time in the gym. I don't know if that's, that's a great idea or not. Like we work with a lot of programs that are smaller schools and the, these kids that are on the basketball team are playing two or three sports throughout the course of the year. They're not playing AAU. They're not playing spring basketball. You might have them in June and then basketball season at best. And then you're not going to practice that long during the course of the season. Are they really becoming better players throughout the course of the year? Or are they just becoming more efficient in the system that you play in? And those are two different things to me. So think about that. Another thought. Do you have a theme for your practices? Meaning, could you pick one or two things to emphasize throughout the course of, of those practices? You, you praise it when it's done. You're emphasizing it 
when it's not done, right? You're, you're reteaching, you're correcting, you're going again. And you're thinking about what are the different ways that we are working on this specific theme for practice. It could be anything. It could be transition. And shout out to Chris Hussain, who was a guest coach on our podcast. And she talked about teaching, training, and competing. And how you could have a practice that's more teaching-based, more training-based, more competing-based. And then you also have practices where these are sprinkled in throughout the course of the practice. And, and really every practice is teaching, training, and competing. And how we don't want to lump a half hour of teaching, a half hour of training, half hour of competing, but we want to sandwich these in together, right? You might compete as you have some players repping out a transition drill, because that's something that you want to do is play a little faster. Doesn't go that well. So do you move on? Now you come back, you reteach some things. Maybe you take some of the competition out of it and you train a specific thing that you want to see more of. And then you go back and you compete at it again, right? That would be an example of implementing and teaching transition throughout the course of your practice with a theme. So that can be something. Now, if you're saying, boy, two hours, high school, that's long. It's, it's can be a little monotonous, you know, some of our kids don't love basketball. I mean, I, I, I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. Right. It's okay to practice for two hours. Make it fun. Make it fun. What are the things that kids like to do? They like to play one-on-one. -on -one. They like to perform more shooting games. Do they like to scrimmage more often? I do. The players that I know sure do. Okay. So can we, can we do those things more? Those are also going to help us become better players. Absolutely. We can have both of those things and we can get better along the way. And then when we have to shorten practice, we can shorten practice a little bit, right? Save, save the legs. Uh, or maybe as I was talking with another coach, we're not necessarily shortening a practice, but we're going to spend more time shooting. We're going to do some things that maybe aren't so intense on the legs. Maybe it's a little more teaching based. Uh, so we can sprinkle those in as well. Those can be beneficial. Think about segmenting your practice. We talked about the teaching, the training, competing, trying not to block things into big chunks, but sprinkling them in throughout the course of your practice. And then one thing I'm going to dive into in our presentation uh, tonight is if you only had 20 minutes for skill development, what would that look like? So I'll give you an example of what 20 minutes for skill development would look like for me. And this is assuming, let's say school ends at three, practice starts at 3.15, and our kids are taking, say, 10 minutes to leave from their classroom, get to the gym. You know, they're talking with their friends. They're getting changed, getting out. So let's say 315s are, quote, unquote, start to practice. School's out at 3. They get out onto the court at 310. Okay? So that gives them five minutes. They're beginning their pre-practice routine. Okay? So for me, that would be some jump rope some ball handling, and some form shooting. And once we've broken those things down, I don't need to coach any of those things. They're doing those things on their own, okay? I would give them until, let's say, if they start that at approximately 310, I'll let them do their thing until, say, 325 or so, okay? 
some of those kids are going to finish a little early, but their shooting series, I'm going to have them immediately go into some one-on-one, right? They can choose whatever one-on-one games you like to play. It applies to you. We've already gone over different variations in our off-season workouts and our summer camps. Play some one-on-one with one, two other guys or girls that have finished their pre-practice routine already. So let's say that goes until 3.30, okay? So 3.10, get their routine in. At most, 3.25, they're done with that series. Let's say I give them five minutes to play one-on-one, all right? So now we're at about 3.30. We're 15 minutes essentially into the start of practice. I haven't even done a whole lot. Right. I'm walking around. I'm talking to the kids. I'm touching base. Hey, how was school? You know, how that test go? Somebody's going, you know, not going well at home. Right. Hey, you know, how's your how's your mom feeling? You know, she okay? Different things like that. Okay, great practice time. And we're getting quite a bit better in that amount of time. So now we're at three thirty on the clock. Once we're at three thirty, what are some other things that I can sprinkle in? All right, as we gear into our practice, okay? If we had to work on finishing, I'm emphasizing two-foot finishes, stride stop, a one-two, which would be inside foot, outside foot pickup, a spin move, and a pro hop. Now, out of those four finishes, there are an infinite amount of variations off of the shot fakes, the pivots, the ball fakes, the reads. And so that can give us a huge buffet of options to work on our finishing, right? And so it's this, it could be as simple as throwing it out, getting into a, a dummy defense closeout, kid works on their specific finish, next person in line gets it, throws it to the next person who is just a defender, they relocate, boom, they get it, they make their move. So we're working on some of those footwork reps. And we get into some variable practice shooting that includes time and score, right? So, hey, we're going to go 90 seconds, we're going to go a pin down screen cut to the elbow. We're going to flare screen for a catch and shoot three. We're going to drift corner for another catch and shoot three. And then we're going to shot fake into a pull up or shot fake into a sidestep three, those four shots. We're going to repeat those four shots for 90 seconds. Twos were two, threes were three. How many points did you get in 90 seconds? Partner goes. All right, let's go on the other side. Right. So we've done a shooting drill already. 90 seconds for me, 90 seconds for the next player. We go on both sides, six minutes, you know, a little exchange time. So maybe we're, that takes us seven minutes. Okay. Once I've done that, so we've, we've played some one-on-one, we've done some variable practice shooting, we've done some finishing. I can go wherever I want with practice, right? I can, I can start to build in multiplayer drills, game actions, more small-sided games. If that's how I want to start my practice, I could go into the scouting report for what the next game is going to look like. I could get back into getting some review, however you like to design your practice, right? But my point is that's 20 to 30 minutes of skill development that you've made a priority. Your kids are getting better and it's not entirely practice time because your kids have been given a structure to rep out on their own before practice has even started, right? They come in, they do a little jump rope or lunges, right? They do a little stationary ball handling series. They work on their form shooting. They play some one-on-one at some time. Okay, we're going to get organized. And so I'll say, hey, 
We're going to work on these two finishes. We're wrapping those out for a couple minutes. Okay, here's the shooting drill of the day or two shooting drills of the day. Boom, we wrap that out. Bingo, bango, bongo, done. Skill development. We do that every single day. You do that every single day. You don't think you're going to get better? You will get better. Your players will get better. And on top of that, it's fun. Who doesn't like getting better at something, right? And so instead of starting your day off of practice and, you know, coach is talking about the baseline out of bounds and the side lot out of bounds and the, the scouting report for the next game, instead your kids are in there, they're sweating, they're working hard, they're getting better at the game that they love. They're getting the chance to compete in some one-on-one -on -one, in some shooting drills. I mean, that sounds like a heck of a way to start a basketball practice to me. I, I'm all for it. I'd, I'd love it. Right. So I hope that that helps. And again, I, I say this to not say that that's the best way or the only way I say it to challenge your thinking as a coach, because we all want to, continue to grow. We all want to continue to develop. Um, even adding in the one-on-one -on -one portion after the form shooting series, that's something that I've changed within this past year, right? I was talking with coach Nichols. He's like, yeah, you know, instead of doing the form shooting into like partner shooting, we did form shooting into one-on-one -on -one, and it served as some motivation for the kids to make sure they're getting their reps up, getting through their warm-up series because who doesn't love playing one-on-one, -on -one, but they're buddies, right? And so uh, that was almost like a, an accountability factor built into practice, fun at the start, because kids wanted to make sure they, they got some of that in before practice started. And we got to make sure we get our form shooting in, right? The meat and potatoes, the meat and potatoes of it is what's going to get it, get it done and be beneficial. So if that makes any sense at all to you. If you have questions about that, please let me know. Contact at currentbasketball.com. Everything that we've just broken down, I'm going to take a deep dive into our presentation tonight. If you're listening to this the day of October 26, 2022, it, even if you're listening to this in the future and you say, you know what, I'm interested. It sounds like a cool presentation, then shoot me an email and I will send you the video link so you can check it out as well to our coaches coach members all of our video presentations are just one of the many different video uploads that we have inside the membership site and so uh, if you don't check it out live and do our q a that's okay we'll upload uh, that presentation to the membership site as well thank you for listening appreciate you guys exciting time of year you guys are doing an awesome job you're excited you're hungry to continue to get better if you want some help with that continue to grow, improve, learn from some other people, some other members, uh, get another outside view of things. Check us out at coachesedge.coach. Continue the great work, making a positive impact in the lives of youth and others. Uh, that's what it's all about. And hopefully while we do it, we're being pretty darn successful at the same time. Thanks for listening. Get after today.